And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, Hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, uh, founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle. Uh, we're, we're covering one of Philadelphia's top startups. Uh, and before I make that introduction, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Equip Bid Auctions, your Midwest online auction marketplace to buy and sell stuff. Equip Bid provides dedicated support to affiliates in Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and Iowa. Join the team and sell everything from heavy machinery to home goods, vehicles, and boats to restaurant and kitchen equipment and tractors to patio furniture. Go to equip-bid.me backslash startup for details or just click the link saved in the show notes. Uh, today's guest is a co-founder and CEO of Fuse Me, David Graham. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me and I'm really excited to dive into it. Yeah, I'm super excited. We've been doing this series on um, uh, top startups and you know, you're based in Philadelphia. You're one of the top startups coming out of Philadelphia. Awarded that this year. It's super cool. Um, I, I won't say exactly how old you are, but I know you're young. You guys are crushing it. You got a three. Uh, I think there's three of you as the founders kind of doing this thing and really off to hit the hit the races. But before we go into exactly like what fuse me is and today's title is dissecting the chicken or the egg dilemma like what to do first what to hit first what to think about first what to develop first um let's just talk about david a little bit you you know we were talking off air before we got started you said like um you know you're in college um playing lacrosse for a division one school and i won't tell your whole story but um you know you definitely pursuing academia and, and excellence basically in everything you're doing. And it made a big switch up to go all in on fuse me, which I think is absolutely amazing. But, um, in high school, when you were younger, did you think about being an entrepreneur or being a founder or, or having a startup? Is this something that you kind of like manifested or is it something you kind of just was like, we have to do this. Like, you know, you didn't see it coming and you're like, well, I guess we're going to try this. Um, talk to me about kind of your, you know, who you are and you know, how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, definitely. So I, I would say ever since I was young, I've always had that, that itch to, to start something. Um, and ever since I was a young kid, I was always bouncing around ideas and, and thinking of creative ways to solve problems. Um, and so something I, I kind of always was doing in my life was looking at the pain points of my experience as a, as, a, as a person and then also looking at the pain points of the people around me and then trying to build solutions to those pain points. And so something, and I kind of always had that in the back of my mind. And so I, I had a lot of ideas um, kind of in the, in the notes tab of my phone, but I never actually took the leap and acted on any of them. It was really just a, an idea on, those were just ideas on paper. And then the first idea that I, I kind of took the leap on is, is the idea that we're currently talking about, which is Fuse Me. And the reason why I would say I originally or I kind of was motivated to take the take the leap is because the pandemic hit right during my as soon as I really thought of the idea with my, my founding team, the pandemic hit. 
And um, I would say that if it wasn't for the pandemic, it would have been really hard to put at the time I was a, a high school athlete. Also, um, <clears throat> I was really busy with school, but also busy with athletics. And it was my senior year. And I don't know if I would have had the time to kind of think through the idea and um, make sure we kind of get it all flushed out. And so as soon as the pandemic hit, we really used that as an opportunity to go all in on the startup and make sure we have everything thought through and really just ideate the the original concept of Fuse Me. So I would say I've, I've kind of always had I, I, prior. I love that, David. I'm going to interrupt you just a little bit because I think, um, you know, what happened to you and your co-founders is really something that I've seen a pattern of. And it's like you, you took, um, you know, a kind of bad situation and, you know, real leaders, real like entrepreneurs, real founders, they they see these like struggles, these roadblocks as opportunities. And for me, it was um, a low point in my life, a divorce, like in my early 20s and just like, you know, I was like at the bottom and just trying to figure stuff out that pushed me to be able to be like, okay, would I have given all of this stuff up to try my idea to go all in on my business? Probably not. But, you know, it's silver lining in that way. That's like, look, now I've got all this time. I can talk to my friends. We're not all in different sports or all at practice at 6 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. And instead we can take this kind of drive that we have in this angst being stuck indoors or, you know, without being able to travel or different things like that, not being able to party as a, uh, you know, in high school, or I don't know, you know, any of that kind of stuff that you could be doing so many other things and essentially saying like, well, we we're here. Uh, you know, let's take advantage of this. We if I, you know, had all this stuff going on, I wouldn't have taken this chance. And, you know, I've told people that plenty of times, like, I just wouldn't have sacrificed family, I don't think in the early days to build a business I built, because I mean, I was spending 100 plus hours a week, really making my business come to life at the beginning. And I just wouldn't have sacrificed those things. But you take what life gives you um and the best of us kind of take those situations and turn them around for good and you know every single time something has come up in the amazon world which has been my world uh let's say they're getting rid of they got rid of like reviews you could do these giveaways to launch products or margins got slimmer or the pandemic happened and you couldn't send any products but essentials and these different like just roadblocks i always saw it as an opportunity of like wow everyone else is freezing everyone else is getting conservative everyone else is afraid this is an opportunity as someone from the bottom, essentially to leapfrog all these people, you know, and that's why I say it takes money to make money or like when there's a slump in the economy, like, you know, realist realtors uh, or, or investors, like, you know, make so many gains on everyone else. And that's really what I saw. And what I think about anytime there's like a real challenge is I'm like, look, some people won't get past this challenge. And that's an opportunity for me to leapfrog. And I just think that's really cool. As young guys, you guys saw that opportunity. And you're even talking about it now and aware of it to say, we took advantage of this time and went all like, you know, bet on ourselves and stayed productive and turned like a lot of negative time for people into something that's like, I mean, obviously changed your life. Um, it took a couple of minutes there, but I just think, you know, don't ever play that. It's a, it's a huge lesson for any young entrepreneurs or even like, you know, something we have to learn over and over and over as we go. It's just like when we hit these walls, we hit these like, you know, these swamps and slow us down or whatever. And like, think of it as an opportunity. Okay. So, that being said, back to your story, you're like, we took this chance of the pandemic to say like, hey, let's build this. Did you guys have software experience or like, you know, who who's on the team and like kind of what experience did you guys have already? Yeah, definitely. So that's a, that's a whole nother part of the story at first. So it was really just the three of us and none of us had any sort of professional business experience or professional technology experience. And so all we really had was an idea on paper, or an idea in our minds at the, at the time um, that we knew had legs, but we honestly didn't know what the first step was. 
Um, and I think that's uh, a, an issue or a roadblock that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs or, or pe people that desire to be an entrepreneur have. And you don't really know what the first step is and if it's even possible for you to kind of turn this idea into reality. And so what we did is, is we kind of just took it one step at a time. And I always like to tell people that if we would have kind of fast forward into the future and, and got too focused on what the next 10 steps or, or maybe like what decision we're going to have to make in a year or half a year, um, we probably wouldn't have been able to kind of push through it. We just kind of kept our heads down and focused on the next step ahead of us. And so I think it's really like we really just learned as we, as we went. Um, and I'm a huge believer in competitive learning. And I think that's definitely something that my founding team practiced uh, very early on, and we still practice today. And so we really didn't have any sort of professional experience. We just kind of learned as we went and um, try to take advantage of online resources, uh, read as much as possible, listen to, to as many relevant podcasts as possible, um, and really just absorb as much knowledge as we could. Um, and I would say that really was important to us early on. And that's really how we kind of figured out how to take that first step. And I would say there was definitely a, a few steps that we could have avoided early on, but it's all part of the process. Um, and so hundred percent. Yeah. And, and the, the first thing we really did is, so we had that I, the idea and we did some research and we we're like, okay, the, the next logical step is putting together um, basic wireframes for our idea. And so that's exactly what we did. We taught ourselves how to wireframe using Figma. Um, and, and we did exactly that. And they weren't, they definitely were not the prettiest of wireframes, um, but it was enough mm -hmm. to bring, it was enough, it was enough material to bring to a, a software house and then also get bids from from individual developers as well. So that was kind of what we did. Um, and and it, as I said, we relied a lot on uh, on the internet and just kind of learning it as, as we go. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how we, we took, took, took the first step. But it definitely was something that was a little bit challenging at first. Well, so here's the thing, like true entrepreneurship is creating something out of nothing. Right. You know, that's what I believe. Like, so that is the challenge. That's why it's hard, but that's what you did. And it's like, you know, you obviously have to make a decision and then just go. And w once you realize that it's action that just has to happen, you just make an action and then you adjust as you go. And that has to be done. It's almost like if there's two paths, one could be wrong, one could be right. But either way, you just need to make a decision. You hit that. No, or you hit that. Like, Oh, this, we chose the wrong wireframe software to use or like, you know, whatever the case might be. And then, the sooner you get to that, the sooner you can be like, okay, it was path B. I should have went on path B, but like might as well hit A, get get it wrong as fast as possible so you can go to B or you picked A and it was right and keep moving, you know? And I think that once you learn that, it's like, that is the skill. That is what entrepreneurship is, is essentially not knowing how to do something, not knowing where to start and then just jumping in and um, figuring that out. I think even, uh, you know, that when I would start, I think a lot of people would even be like, what's a wireframe? Or, you know, like they don't understand what that would be like. So, you know, it's essentially a mood board. It's essentially like this is what we're trying to build a sketch, you know, and then taking it to a creator and saying, hey, make this come to life. OK, so you guys had your wireframe. Um, you've talked about like your coaches and your parents and everything not really being on board when you guys were starting this. Like talk a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. So at first, I would say that everyone was, was fairly supportive in terms of because at first it was just a project that we were doing during the pandemic. And everyone was like, why not spend your time in a productive way and see what you can make to make of this thing? Um, I would say when the, the pushback really came was when we had to make the decision to either go to college or can pursue the startup full time. And at that moment, um, we didn't have enough traction or we, we didn't really have enough. I, I would say we didn't have a, a 
enough of an idea of where this thing was headed to take that leap right out of high school and not go to college. And so we thought, why not pursue it in parallel with college? And then if something comes of it and, the, and we continue to gain traction, then make that decision later on in our college journey um, and maybe after our freshman year, which is exactly what we did. And so I would say that right after our freshman, I mean, we actually tried to to stay in college as long as possible um, just because we didn't want to exit college too early before we had really any serious traction. And so the first thing we did is we went to college and we said, okay, everyone try to do it in parallel. And for me at the time, I was playing division one sports, which is a huge commitment. On top of that, I was doing 17 credit hours for school and I was also in the honor school at Ohio State. And so it was a crazy, crazy schedule for me. And at the time I was, I was trying to squeeze in six to eight hours a day on Fuse Me. And so my, my roommate at the time could definitely attest to this, but it was a lot of late nights and early mornings and, and many, many coffees. Um, but we got through it. And during that period, we were able to prove out market validation. And that's really what we were looking to do that, that first year or that my freshman year and my founder's freshman year as well. Um, and we were able to prove that market validation through an MVP or a minimal viable product that we beta tested with um, some students at each of our universities. And so it was a little bit, it was beneficial to be at school for that period. Um, and then soon yeah. we saw enough traction. We're like, you know what, let's let's take the leap and let's actually do this thing full time because we know where it can go. We just need to put our full um, effort and full attention into it um, in order for it to get there. And and that's really when the some of the pushback came and I had people tell me, you've worked your whole life to, to get a division one scholarship. Why would you throw it away? Why are you so willing just to go ahead and start this thing or, or continue to pursue this thing? And for me, it honestly just came down to, I knew, I, as you said earlier, college can, you can always go back to college. And I knew that that opportunity could, could wait a little bit. Um, and I just knew that with, with startups, timing is a huge thing. And I didn't want to miss the market opportunity. And I knew what we had. We, I knew what we had. And um, I just didn't want to kind of let it go by and, and wait until um, I'm graduating college or even pursue it in parallel and just not put as much effort into it as I wanted to. Um, and so I kind of just said, you know what, I, I'm going to follow my own path and, and not really listen to the people around me at the time. Um, and then eventually everyone kind of came around and, and everyone was very supportive. So I'm very fortunate now to have very supportive parents, grandparents, friends, family, um, coaches. But at the time, it was, it was a little bit hard for everyone to see the, the path forward. Yeah, and it's like if they love you, they're going to challenge you if you've worked your whole life right. to get to something. I think, you know, it's cliche saying, but it's like, it's not the destination, it's the journey. Right. And, you know, all, all the work you put in to be a division one athlete, to get to school, the work ethic, the consistency, um, the political moves, you know, who knows the, the financial commitments, um, you know, those, st all of that was still training, like for what's next, right? It's really the ability to do all those things to get to division one, but like, what's the national championship do? What, what is like, what does that really do for you? Um, not much. It's an accomplishment. It's a beautiful thing. It's a huge thing. Um, but it's not, it's not a business. It's not something that supports your family. It's not like you're still going to have to go to work after that's done. Uh, there's, you know, I don't know if there's a professional career in lacrosse or not. You're going to have an education and you're going to go start a career all over again. You're going to be doing what you're doing now, maybe in four to five years, whatever that looks like. Um, and so it's really just like long game thinking, uh, honestly about, and you know, I've hit these different times. Like I, I've shared this online or, or live on the podcast where um, one of my biggest regrets, I don't have many, but one of my biggest regrets or things I would do differently at least would be, I always set my ceiling too low. 
Uh, and I'm someone that really believes a lot in myself, but even just like what I thought was believing in a lot at the time was still just like very low. Um, and in some cases people are there, I'm not putting this against them. I'm not calling anyone out personally. Right. But just this thinking of like you playing lacrosse, you competing in lacrosse, playing division one is like, that is the goal. And you're like, no, I'm shooting so much higher than that. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing all of this just to get to this point anyway. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to jump at this. I'm playing that longer game thing because at the end of the day, whether fuse me turns into the next Facebook or not, right. Um, what you will have learned in this process, um, the connections you'll have made, the interactions will set you up for, you know, the rest of your life, uh, you know, doing what you're doing. And it's really about the process of like, look, I found something new that's really pushing me, um, to grow and learn new things and how to build a pitch deck and how to build a wireframe and how to like sell and network and, um, you know, innovate. And for anyone that's really driven for anyone that's like got professional curiosity, I think that newness of learning like is just like intoxicating one entrepreneur to another is like you know i'm always seeking knowledge and i've done a lot of things i've done all kinds of things but when i find something new um uh, i just get so laser focused on that that it's like you know it's intoxicating nothing else matters um and i think it's just a little bit of a difference in our generation versus the last which is like the best way is actually that as soon as you know you need to change or switch it up you want to try something different like don't waste time at all and um you know and, and jump into that and make that change because time is everything you know and so um i don't know i just really respect the move and i really understand having that pushback by family and friends and people that love you they're just afraid for you you know but you're essentially like look this is on me um, you know, this is my, this is my competition and it's me versus me. And I think I can do something like really great. Uh, and I want to do it with my best friends in your case, like guys you grew up with and had chemistry with. So I also work with my best friends and I love it. Like I think about it, um, going to work today and I'm going to hang out with my friends and, and get some work done. And it's, um, it's something that's really, really great. And something that entrepreneurship, e-commerce, digital marketing, the digital world has brought to us that we can do in like a matter of a school year, like bring stuff to life where that used to take years and years and years in our parents, you know, our parents' childhood. So, okay, I, I get caught up, caught up with this emotional stuff, but I just really think that mindset of taking that leap is long game. And, and in a, especially with your generation, Gen Z, like patience and long game is not something that's a strong suit. So, very mature thinking of you, I, in my opinion, to say, hey, I think this is really where my focus should be and what I want to build, you know, for the future and already a top Philly startup. Um, okay, so parents are on board. They they start to see the success. They're like, okay, sounds like you made a good idea. Um, you know, when did Fuse Me, like, you know, really start taking off? Or, or where did you start feeling like, okay, we have an MVP that's, like, doable? Did you go start raising funds? Was this bootstrapped? Like, you know, what happened there? Yeah. So um, originally, I mean, the first step was really building out that MVP. And we beta tested the MVP with a few universities, as I mentioned. And as soon as we felt like we had enough traction from that beta period of testing, we're like, okay, we need to we need capital to actually build out the V1 or the real version of this product. And so at that point, we, we took the, the data and the traction from beta testing and really just leveraged that into our first round of, of capital. And what we did, I mean, there was a, it was a long um, path to, to get to that point where we could even beta test the product. I mean, we as like kind of 
to what you spoke to before in terms of the newness of it all. We had no clue what how how long the process was going to take to actually get get a product to a point where it was marketable and usable by students. And at first we we're like, hey, we have this idea. We're going to knock it out in a, a month or so. And, and students are going to be testing it two months later. And that just wasn't it at all. And it actually took hundreds of iterations of the software for it to finally get to a point where it was usable and students would enjoy their experience. And so something that that it, it was kind of funny to us is just like, it's con it's endless iteration, not with the pro not only with the product, but with marketing, your pitch, everything. And that's something that we've kind of learned throughout our journey. And so as soon as we got to a point where we had enough traction from beta testing, we as I said, we took that to the capital markets and we said, okay, who can we target um, to be investors in, in our platform? And Honestly, it took a ton of cold outreach. I would say that I probably sent north of 2,000 uh, LinkedIn direct messages. And on top of that, thousands of emails as well, um, because I, I didn't really know who at that point I didn't want to go. I mean, we all all the founders put in personal money to really just get get the MVP built. Um, and, yeah. and, and family and friends as well. And then once we knew that we needed to raise a serious round of capital to take it to the next step and take it to the next level. And so for us, we we targeted, we were originally targeting a $500,000 raise and we really just leaned on our college network, our high school network, our parents network, our friends network. And we literally just leveraged every single person in our lives network to find a group of investors. And um, what ended up happening is we talked, I personally probably spoke to north of 200 investors and we got 27 to convert. Um, and so it really just is a numbers game at the end of the day. Um, that's what I kind of like to tell people. It's, it's, it's a grind. Capital raising is not fun, um, but it, it just, just, it takes a lot of grit. And that's something that I, I learned throughout. I would say grit is, is definitely something that you, you get taught through, through athletics. Um, and so I was, I was just willing to continue to push as long as it would take in order to raise that capital. And so it was a it was a gritty period of time, and, and we finally were able to close. We hit the five hundred thousand mark, and then we actually went um, beyond that to to eight hundred fifty thousand. And so we were actually able to oversubscribe around, um, which was incredible. And to kind of take a step back. Something I skipped over is at first raising capital for us was extremely extremely difficult, and that was really our first huge hurdle that we faced um, because at the time I was nineteen years old, and a nineteen year old trying to convince. 30, 40 year olds, 50 year olds, 60 year olds to give them capital is, is not a, it's not fun to be on my side of that. Um, and they're like, Hey, I love your idea. And I think, I think you really, you guys really have something here, but you are only 19 years old. You have no professional business experience and who's to say that you are responsible enough to manage this money. And so we got a lot of no's um, at first, a ton of them. And that was super devastating at the time. And, and we just had to continue to push through it. Um, but something we did, which was, was again, it speaks to the whole idea of constantly iterating as we l took a look at our, our pitch and like how we were positioning our startup to these investors. And we thought, okay, the biggest pushback we're getting is around our age. Why not flip the narrative and turn our age into our biggest competitive advantage? And the so, advantage. Right. That's why you're designed. That's why you're perfect to build this. Right. And so we actually like, instead of avoiding that in our pitch, because we did originally kind of avoid that and say, we didn't necessarily say we're high school students at the time or freshmen in college. We kind of just said, hey, my name is David Graham and this is what I'm doing. We kind of didn't really touch on where we were in our academic journey. Um, but after that, we got a lot of no's. And then we said, why not just address it head on and say, hey, 
we're 20 years old, 19 years old at the time. And that is our biggest competitive advantage. We're building a product for our fellow students. We know the market better than anyone else does. And that's why we're going to build an incredible product. And that really resonated. Your storytelling got dialed in. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and that really resonated with our investor group. And after that, uh, we were able to raise capital pretty quickly. I mean, it still was, was a painful process, but um, we were able to raise it and, and get a few more yeses and then leverage those yeses into more yeses. Um, and so it, it really um, kind of changed, changed the game after we flipped our narrative. I love it. Thanks for that background on that. Just really understanding how something comes to life, I think, is like, you know, it's very interesting for me as someone that's done bootstrapped, but I've also done like coaching for pitches and, you know, pitch decks and obviously convince people to buy into what we were doing on Amazon when they, you know, people were very anti Amazon. They're just like website is cannibalism. Like I was trying to show them the advantages of, of getting new customers from Amazon. Like the Gen Z customers are like so familiar and comfortable with Amazon. There's a certain amount of your customers just living on Amazon on their phones um, to not be there is like a huge mistake. And I was, I was early 20s talking to like, you know, older white CEO men like in their 60s, you know, late 50s that are like, who are you to mm -hmm. tell us about, you know, the way we've been doing things is so different. Let's do it differently. Um, and I leaned into that. I was like, look, I've been doing this a long time. I've been hacking satellites since I was a kid. I've been on computers since they came out, even though I'm a young man, like I've, I've been in, in depth. And then um, my team, I started saying, you know, we have crazy chemistry. I'm building this with my sisters, kind of like you with your, your best friends and saying, hey, we have chemistry and communication that is really hard to buy and to build in a, in a company, but we have it kind of like built in. And this is why we're the best for it. Um, I, I want to get into like what Fuse Me is doing and, and you know, what you guys have built with the rest of our time. But before we do, as a reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Equip-Bid Auctions, an online marketplace dedicated to growing small auction businesses. They're solving problems and providing a fun, re-commerce or liquidation shopping experience to value bidders. Go check out their incredible offerings and sign up at equip-bid.me backslash startups. So, you know, there's so, like, I know what Fuse Me does, but to anyone listening, I don't think they do. So we need to give a little background of what Fuse Me is exactly doing. And, you know, there's a lot of social media marketplaces, startups out there. You know, there's like, uh, what made you guys feel like as we get into it, like we talked about the what problem you were solving. So like one, what is Fuse Me? And then like, what problem were you guys trying to solve? Um, you were like that you went all in and to the point of giving up a division one, you know, scholarship and, and career in lacrosse. Um, what were you guys solving? The problem were you guys solving that you felt so passionate about to go all in on? Uh, I want to hear more about that and share that with our listeners. Yeah. So it was a problem that I was experiencing firsthand and so are my co-founders. And so we arrived on our college campuses and we noticed that students are disconnected to each other, but then also the, the, the campus as a whole. And so that was the first pain point we noticed is that there's a huge, um, there, there's just a lack of connectivity on a college campus. And there's a lot of outdated methods of sharing content. I mean, there's even the outdated cork bulletin boards that still exist in dorm rooms and dining halls um, and academic buildings. And so what we wanted to do is make sure that we wanted to build a platform that would really combat that lack of connectivity and loneliness that exists on college campuses. And then also we noticed a huge friction point around the buying and selling of items between students. And we saw students use um, outdated, I mean, they do Facebook discussion boards or Facebook marketplace, or even just buying and selling in large group chats. And we thought that was hugely inefficient. And there was an opportunity to really capitalize on that market. And so 
after a lot of ideation, what we realized is that if you blend, as I said earlier, if you blend um, the addictiveness of social with the utility of a campus marketplace, it really can create for a great experience for students and something that they're really kind of eager to use on a daily basis. And so the way we like to describe Fuse Me is we offer, we're an app that offers a private micro community experience to each student that is specifically for their campus. And so they can interact with students across other schools. It's just for their campus. And on that, in that micro community feed, they can socialize, connect with their campus, and then also buy and sell through our marketplace. And so right now, Fuse Me is composed of four main feeds. We have the marketplace where students sell um, dorm room furniture, textbooks, football tickets, uh, clothing, really anything you can think of on campus. And it's there's no shipping. You just meet up and exchange the item in person. Um, and it's a very trusted environment to buy and sell because every student is verified. So you're not dealing with any student or any person who doesn't go to your school or um, anything like that. And so that's the campus marketplace. And then we have a search feed where you can find, it's essentially a list of every student who goes to your school that's signed up for Fuse Me. And this is a really useful feed to find study partners, friends, um, roommates, or really anyone you're compatible with or, or maybe even not compatible with. Um, but it's a great way to branch out and kind of grow your social circle. And then the next feed I'll touch on is our campus home feed. And this is um, essentially a replacement for those outdated bulletin boards I mentioned. Um, and we like to think of our campus home feed as a digitalized bulletin board. So this is where students can post pictures, polls, events, um, videos to their entire school in just a couple clicks. And so it's really the only platform where students can have that direct access and, and um, kind of an outlet to talk to their entire student body through a centralized feed. And so that's something that's been very popular as well. Um, and then the last feed I'll touch on is our chat, where students can chat one-to-one, one-to-many, and then also create and join interface group chats that are public for the entire university. So at the end of the day, what we're really doing is fostering kind of positive online relationships and interactions between students that create a happier, healthier, and, and really more well-connected student body. Um, and so that's kind of our mission and what we're doing here at Fuse Me. I can tell that you've pitched a few times because you just nailed that. I feel like you absolutely nailed it, breaking it down, what it is, anyone listening. Like, I don't even really have that many more questions in regards to like, okay, what is it? I, I immediately thought of um, an app I found last year called Radiate. Um, it's for like music festivals and shows. And essentially, it's an app just for that show. Um, no one's vetted and there's not really selling, but essentially like, people talking about meeting up with new friends, going to the show. Maybe someone's going by themselves. Maybe they're trying to have someone to hang out with after. Maybe they're asking questions about, you know, where to get this or how to get in there or where a VIP is or any number of things. But it just creates this community around the event that essentially connects people. And I think in a world where everyone is so disconnected and isolated and in our own bubbles and um, anything that's really facilitating that, especially around positivity, if you're able to accomplish that and keep it a positive, um environment instead of like some of the negative sides of social media you know because you can moderate this one um i think that gets really cool it gets really exciting and i can immediately see the opportunity as a founder myself um and as someone that's uh you know excited about these things you know for me it's like look a lot of times i go to a show or let's say you're at school you're at school to meet people like let's be honest you're there to get educated but uh, otherwise, we'd all choose online schools and we would probably save money and save time. And, you know, but you're in the college experience as well to meet people, grow your network. Maybe you're joining a fraternity or sorority so that you can have connections later on in life. Like that's a big part of it. Um, and so 
you're not really creating needing to create demand um you're just capturing the demand that's already out there and saying hey guys this is a trusted place where you guys can share stuff um students that are trying to be influencers or creators whatever can share their videos share their events what they're doing um talk to me about like how many schools like where are you guys at right now like kind of as we come up on you know the end of the show like talk to me about where you guys are at right now with it like is it is it live is it being used in schools how many schools um and then also like something you guys are working on in addition to what you guys have built that you're excited about something new that you guys are excited about something you're working on getting better um anything you'd like to share around that i think would be awesome yeah definitely so just to, to touch on your, your previous point I, I think it definitely rings true it's like I'm a huge believer in the more connected everyone becomes online, the more disconnected you actually are in real life. And that's something that we're trying to tackle here at Fuse Me is we don't want students to stay on Fuse Me all day and not actually go make those in-person interactions happen. What we're trying to do is actually get students off our platform. So they meet up, they connect via our platform, and then they actually go meet up in person or they find an event on our platform and then they actually go attend that event in person. And so we're a huge believer in kind of that online to offline experience. And that's really something we're focused on. Um, and then in terms of kind of what we've been able to achieve so far. So right when we launched the app store, um, we took, we had kind of a unique approach to launch. We didn't want to launch to every school all at once. So we actually implemented waiting rooms across all of our schools. And so every single university in our database was locked, um, and, and had a waiting room upon launch day. And then we actually decided which schools to launch to based on critical mass buildup in those waiting rooms. And so it was pretty cool because we allowed our users to decide which school we launched to rather than us trying to launch okay. a certain school. Um, and we've applied, I mean, we still use that same approach because right, we're, we're not at a point yet where we have the resources to unlock all 3,500 schools in the U.S. Um, what we want to do is make sure that we're giving each school the proper kind of tender love and care that it deserves and that it needs um, in order to really make that community thrive. And so we don't want a, a situation where students logs onto a school and there's only a couple other students to interact with. We want a situation where there's hundreds or even thousands of students to interact with. And that's really what makes our platform powerful. Um, and so to touch on where we're at so far. So um, in total, we've launched 17 universities and it's a really diverse group of universities because, again, we don't choose them. So like um, like some, some people would think that we chose maybe big 10 launches first, and then we go into the SEP or whatever, but it's really just a, it's all spread across um, all different conferences. And our most recent launch school was actually my, my school, um, Ohio State is something that I was really excited to launch. And honestly, it's, it's just been extremely surreal going back to campus and seeing our product in the hands. Uh, we ac actually, at this point, we have almost 20% of Ohio State. Um, and so to have almost 20% of such a large school it, you can walk around on campus and actually see the Fuse Me app in people's hands. And for me, it's just been such a rewarding um, experience traveling back to school. And I actually just gave a guest lecture there as well. So it's it just so rewarding to kind of see that come to life and, and see your, your former classmates using your product. And so um, anyways, yeah, we're at 17 schools. Ohio State's the most recent. Um, and right now we're really just hyper-focused on growth and increasing our user engagement. Um, we're not too focused on revenue, although we have positioned ourselves to kind of monetize at scale. Um, right now, we're just focused on growing that user base, making sure that we're improving the product daily. And like for us, we're, I mean, user feedbacks are highest this thing that we look at daily because it's, it's the, the best way to iterate your product and it's the best way to know if students are actually enjoying it. And so we're constantly it's iterating the product and learning from users and, and making their experience better. Um, and it's really kind of that practice has is really evident through our KPIs. And like right now 
we've been exceeding all the, the milestones or the benchmarks for for user engagement for the industry. And um, right now we're kind of just setting the bar high for ourselves in terms of where we want to get. Um, but yeah, so in, at this point, one metric that I'll, I'll share is we actually just surpassed the 20,000 um, connections made. And so that means that we've actually two-way connections. So not just someone sending one, but a two-way mutual connection. We've connected over 20,000 college students at this point. And for us, that's a truly incredible stat because it shows that we're staying true to our original mission um, to connect college students. And so that's something we're really proud of. But that uh, obviously we're looking to grow that daily. And um, we're really excited for kind of what the future holds. I love that. I um, just to add to that, like I met like a top five exec of Airbnb randomly at an airport in Tokyo. I know that sounds crazy, but <laughs> we were like plugging in our phones and we just started chatting for like over an hour and That's all. charging our phones. We had a long layover and she was just like the kindest lady and just um, her daughter actually is like what brought up that she was the founder, kind of like spilled the beans on her because she was being really humble and her daughter just like spoke up. And um you know, what I learned from that conversation I wanted to share here was like, you know, essentially listening to um, like the student demand to choose where to launch instead of like you being like, well, we want Ohio State or we want, you know, UMKC here in Kansas City or we want Mizzou or whatever the case might be, um, you know, letting the customers speak to you guys and like letting following that demand. Because, I mean, what she shared with me was that um, Thailand is actually the first country that airbnb like had success to basically like fund the rest of it so they were like hitting like walls in new york city and just like issues 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 trying to push into these cities that that they shouldn't have or that were like too difficult barrier to entry so to speak um and then they launched in thailand which isn't what they were thinking as far as like being really the money source whatever but it just took off in thailand and it was um, so it was actually Thailand that like, you know, got Airbnb on its feet and turned it into like the platform that it is today. Um, so you never know, like, you know, getting a crazy engagement at a local private school, private college, university, um, you know, could be the virality that you need on something like that to essentially like, you know, to get to the big ones with the big cust the big student bases and things like that. So I think that's brilliant as well. Um, and super exciting to just like hear, I think you guys are also right. Like um, really just thinking about quality and growth and being in that growth mode because um, you can lean out and get profitable. And you've seen the, that model for so many different apps and things before is like figure out what's working, innovate, continue to be the best, listen to your customers um, or your students, so to speak. And um, especially right now, while you are, so young and right there in that market like the proximity to who you're creating for is so so close um it's something that i you know i've been doing this 11 years and i can remember being 25 versus 35 and it was way easier to create for the younger market at that time and then i spent all this time learning business and how to elevate and, and be around thinkers and movers and um, it gets more difficult so you know i'm just saying like lean into right now being like let's continue to innovate and grow and I, that's exactly what you guys are doing um you know, I think it's really awesome. Um, where can people interact with you? Where can people follow along? Where can people figure out how to sign up? If, if there are students listening to this, you know, we have a couple hundred thousand to tune in each month. We have founders, entrepreneurs. I'm sure there's like, you know, students wanting to be entrepreneurs can spread this out maybe to their kids or, or say, hey, have you heard of, have you heard of this? Um, you know, where can people get, I guess, get the app, fuse me, get in the waiting list for their school, um, follow your journey. 
um, give us some contact points. Yeah. So, um, I mean, first and foremost, you can reach, you can download the app on the app store or the Google play store. Um, it's fuse me okay. F U Z E M E E. And the, for students that their school isn't open yet, they can join the waiting list, as you said. And if you join the waiting list, it just increases the chances that your school will be open. So I really encourage you to join that waiting list. Um, and then on top of that, in, in terms of just following our overall journey, um, we have, we're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, um, and pretty much every social platform. And it's just at FuseMe. Um, and it's the same F-U-Z-E-M-E-E. And we pretty much share, we share a lot of updates about our story and kind of our journey and how we got to where, where we are right now. Um, and then if you, if you want advice or just kind of want to talk to me about my story and, and you, you're kind of wondering how, how you take that first step, I can, I'm definitely happy to, to be there as a resource. Uh, you can reach me at my email, uh, david at fuseme.com. And I, I, I'm meeting with, with students pretty frequently from Ohio State, but also other schools that are just kind of curious about how I got to where I am and, and how I had the courage to take that leap as we discussed. Um, and so I'm happy to talk to you and um, yeah, I really appreciate you having me. David, it's been an absolute pleasure. And once again, this episode of Startup Puzzle is sponsored by our friends over at Equip Bid Auctions. Join, sell, earn. It's that easy with Equip-Bid Auctions. Become an affiliate and start or grow your independent business by visiting equip-bid.me backslash startup today. Even easier, head to startup. Uh, .xyz. Click on our partners page. You'll see Equipbids founder Andy. I set up everything um, to go make some money. So go build your business within a business um, at Equipbids Auction. David, thank you for your time. We'll have all of his show notes, uh, all of his links and contact information in the show notes for anyone that's uh, you know didn't get a chance to write that down. Uh, I'll definitely be following you on TikTok. Watch what you guys are doing. It sounds really exciting. Congrats on being. Uh, you know, considered uh, one of Philly's top startups. That's an amazing accomplishment. Um, super proud of what you guys are doing and can, are going to continue to follow along. Um, and thanks again for your time. Definitely. And I really appreciate the selection and uh, I'm really excited to kind of stay in touch. Yeah, of course. We'll see you next time, Hustlers. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.